this is church. Uh, this is uh, this is wrestling. This is uh, where it all began. This is the gold standard still to this day. And when you go, you start comparing them to all the sports, UCLA basketball. When you talk about the best of the best, Oklahoma State wrestling is at the again at the top of that list also. And you go back and you look at it or get an idea of the monumental success that this program has had. And when you talk about all the great sports in NCAA, Oklahoma State wrestling is still at the top. This past weekend, Oklahoma State's wrestling team won their ninth straight Big 12 title. Since the program launched in 1914, they've claimed 34 national championships, the most of any sport in NCAA history. The success and dominance of Oklahoma State's wrestling team is simply unrivaled. Welcome to the Inside OSU podcast. I'm your host, Megan Robinson. Today's guest is Rex Holt. He has been the radio voice of OSU Wrestling for nearly 40 years and provides an in-depth look at this storied program. You've been the voice of this program for almost 40 years, so you have to be pretty familiar with it. What is one word used to describe the history of Oklahoma State Wrestling and why? Well, I think the word I would uh, use, although it's been a little while, and some people may say, well, we haven't won one in a while, but it is consistent excellence, you know, our consistency that uh, Oklahoma State kind of established itself way back in the day as the program. And even though people came along, knocked them off once in a while over the years, and again, it's been a little bit of a dry spell of late, but for the most part, when you take wrestling in its entirety, over the course of its entire history, the gold standard is still Oklahoma State, and that's consistency with recruiting, the program, the coaching. It has all been at uh, top shelf and continues to be to this day. I get the early stages with uh, Ed Gallagher and all of that, but it continued over the years. I mean, they were talking about that consistency, but you're not going to have it unless you have the wrestlers. So it began with great coaches. And then it's the chicken and the egg, I guess, or whatever. But once Oklahoma State established itself as the premier wrestling program in America, and then all the guys who are really difference makers out there, and they want to be the best, well, a lot of times that leads you to be, you know, to go to the best program. And Oklahoma State, for the longest time, was getting those guys. Not every single one of them, but they would get their share. Then on top of that, after they would get those superstars, they had guys that would come in and were willing to work, and the coaches were so good at developing talent that you have those superstars you don't have to worry about three or four through the lineup, and then you fill in the holes with kids that you coach them up and get the most out of them. We're going to get into a little bit more specifically to the coaches in a little bit, but staying on the topic of Oklahoma State wrestlers, what is their mentality? Because they come into this storied program. So what type of mentality do you have to have to be a wrestler here at OSU? First off, you have to be a kid that that wants a challenge. Now, if I want to just go be on a team and be a starter and you know you're going to be able to walk in and be the man, well, there are schools that you can do that. Again, if this kid's been a three-time state champion, you know, I know I can go here. I'm not going to have to work that hard. I'm going to be anybody pushing me. I'm going to be a starter. And, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll do my thing. But if you want to be the best, then you want to challenge yourself against the best. And you're going to a team that you may not make the starting lineup. You know there's already somebody there, or maybe two somebodies there. It's your particular weight class. But the kids who are really aspiring to be 
national champions and world champions and all of that, which is, again, a lot of the kids that Oklahoma State gets, they don't shy away from a challenge because they know the program is strong because there's already great wrestlers there. And if I got, I got to be a guy that's willing to go accept that challenge and try to beat one of those guys because I want to be the best, but I want to challenge myself against the very best out there. And that's uh, I've been a constant theme throughout the years at Oklahoma State that you get those kids, even though they know they, they may take them a year or two to even make the team, but they're willing to, they want that challenge. And the people with that kind of a drive are usually going to succeed. I want to get into some of the coaches, not a deep dive on them, but just, you know, brushing the surface of who some of these storied coaches were from the program. And you can't talk about Oklahoma State wrestling without talking about Ed Gallagher. So who was Ed Gallagher? Well, Ed Gallagher is pretty much considered the father of amateur wrestling. I mean, he goes along with, uh, you're talking about Abner Doubleday in baseball or uh, Naismith in uh, basketball, those guys who were at the forefront of these sports evolving into what they became, whether it's baseball or basketball, as I mentioned. But Ed Gallagher is in that same school with those guys as far as it, when it comes to wrestling. And again, he was just uh, basically had a, you know, a PE background or whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever they had going on. But again, starting the wrestling program, he had definite ideas about Again, uh, the wrestling has been around as long as there's been people and, and all those things, but uh, that he was able to refine it and, and all those things and uh, develop. It was all new then, and holds and moves and the, the way you train and the, all those things were evolving. But it's safe to say that Ed Gallagher was the guy at the forefront who had the best ideas and, and, uh, and got the most out of his guys, which set the standard early on for Oklahoma State. But... He's the architect, he is the uh, grandfather, he is the, again, the man that uh, really, the sport really began and prospered uh, through Ed Gallagher. He got it all going and then it spread throughout the land. But Gallagher never wrestled himself. He actually got his degree in physics. Right. Why did he have so much success as a wrestling coach when he never competed in the sport? Well, and again, as I say, the sport was still kind of raw then. There were there weren't you know there there was wrestling, but the some of the moves and things that evolved from that. It's uh, well, it's a lot of it is physics. I mean, you know, a fireman's carry, and I'm going to go here, and I'm going to get you off balance in this in this form, and able to pull this arm, or whatever the case may be. Uh, again, there's a lot of things about leverage and balance and all those things that he utilized. That was his expertise. But I think a big part of it came from just a great competitor. Like, I want to be better than the guy across the mat from me. I want my kids to be better. So maybe it's not just, you know, the moves, but it's how in shape you are. He wanted his kids to be tougher. They're in better shape. My kids are tougher. If it comes down to the third period or, you know, whatever, my, uh, my guys are going to win. And then after Gallagher came Art Griffith. Art Griffith, yes, and uh, he was a former wrestler and, again, in the formative years and wrestled at Oklahoma State. And so he was under, you know, Gallagher was uh, one of his uh, mentors and inspired him, uh, Jack Griffith. Uh, and then he had his own ideas and his own way of doing things. But Oklahoma State, again, had already kind of emerged as the powerhouse in collegiate wrestling and give him credit for coming in and building on that. He didn't just come in and take over programs that were going to hang on, but he advanced the sport, again, training measures and, and moves and technique and all those things that he advanced the sport here at Oklahoma State. 
So the Cowboys were continued recruiting success, no doubt, and bringing in the best of the best. And then, again, a re- uh, coaching the other guys up to that level. What happened when Joe C. was the head coach? Joe C. came in as the, the new guy. The first thing about him was he wasn't an OSU guy. He wasn't, well, you know, you, you think they just keep going with, the, you know, feed the beast with guys that you've developed. But uh, Joe came in uh, completely, uh, again, out of uh, a, a different area and was not an OSU guy. So he kind of had to endear himself to the people, and he came in and he was faced with that pressure of trying to keep up the legacy of Oklahoma State and the greatness of all of that. And he was equal to the task of the fact that he did win a couple of national titles. So you got to give him credit for that because there had been a dry spell there, which is uh, part of the reason Tommy Chesbro was let go. But he also, uh, and there's some controversy there. Of course, OSU went on probation at one point and uh, almost got the death penalty because of things they were doing. Now, there was no one thing like, oh, they cheated or they changed grades or did, but there was just a lot of things on the book. They went the NCAA came in and opened it up because he got turned in. Let's just be uh, tell it like it is. You know, everybody's got their little things they do and bring guys in. A lot of times the, the other schools won't, well, we did this, they're doing this, everybody just keep your mouth shut. We know how that kind of works. But Joe didn't have that uh, allegiance. And when he came in and then he started winning, he had a bunch of people say, well, I know I tried to recruit that kid and they did this and they did this here. And a lot of it was just uh, providing, like say, housing or transportation to kids that were coming to school or were red-shirting. You're not supposed to give them anything. They're supposed to uh, go around and compete on their own. But it was a whole laundry list of violations. Not any one thing that was just devastatingly bad, but just so many uh, rules that were broken that the NCAA again came down hard on Oklahoma State because they'd had some issues in other sports. When wrestling got hammered, they hammered them and almost gave them the death penalty. There was no one thing that really, like I say, was horrible but you had it all up together, and then the fact they tried to lie their way out of it, the, the coach did, and, and uh, some of those, and then, like I say, all of that came to light, and he had to be, uh, again, he was gone, and that was that. But he still, again, was a Hall of Fame coach. And then you got a young John Smith, a young Kenny Monday, and uh, they're Olympians and still trying to do their thing on the mat, but those were the guys they kind of turned to, like, we got to get this back, get the OSU people back in here. And, of course, ultimately, John emerged as the man, and, while he was still competing and finishing up his uh, you know, glorious career as an amateur wrestler. But he was the guy that took the torch and, uh, in pretty short order, won a national championship. So uh, he, uh, he reestablished Oklahoma State as a kingpin. And, of course, he's had some good runs since then. And John inherited the program from Joe C. Right. Prematurely, you know, he was not planning on becoming the head coach at what, 26 years old? In a program that had a lot of penalties and sanctions against them. Right. Well, again, they just knew that year, the first year after all this came down, there's no way. OSU can't go to the NCAA tournament. There's nothing they could do. John was still competing. And as you said, probably not, uh, he was not ready maybe to be the head man at that point, or that was, you know, on his radar. But he was wanting to finish his career and then uh, go ahead and, and uh, the, the tempo, the, the timetable got kind of sped up on him because of everything that was going on. But that first year, it was like this year's, so they redshirted everybody they could possibly redshirt and just wrote that year off. I don't know, there was six or seven duels, there was no postseason. But all those guys who redshirted, 
And then John Smith, the next year, able to bring those guys out of red shirt. They brought in two or three new recruits. And the next thing you know, OSU's won the national championship that year. So uh, kind of uh, their first year back as a full-strength squad under John Smith, OSU wins the national title. And you mentioned that John became a head coach when he was still focusing on his career. He was still competing in Olympics. Can you describe what he was like as a wrestler? Well, he was a two-time gold medalist, so I think that probably is, <laughs> says about all you need to say. And the uh, best of the best. Again, uh, he went uh, went head to head with all those guys, and and uh, there were some superstars uh, back in those days. In the, you know, on the international scene, he was laser focused. He had goals and ambitions that nobody was going to deter him from doing that. He walked in the room right now, you would go, "Oh my goodness." He just looks like another guy you see on the street. And he even looked that way then. He, he's not menacing. And he's, you know, some of those guys walk in and they're just, you know, nothing but muscle and they, they draw that wow factor. John uh, didn't do that. I, I mean, didn't look that way. But make no way, again, he had a fire burning in him uh, that uh, the great ones all have. He was going to outwork you. He was, again, he was going to get up and run at four in the morning because he knew that everybody he had to beat, uh, particularly in the Olympics and all that, they were up running at four in the morning. I mean, he was going to go to the weight room. He was going to train right. He was going to eat right. Everything it took, that was what he was going to do. And then he had that uncanny knack about uh, the low single. People did that before, but again, he was down there, you know, biting on ankles that, uh, you know, you'd think, how's that successful? But he figured out he could get down on the foot and down on the ankle that I can pick that leg up and then I can also manipulate you from there. The Smith family in general is as close to royalty as it can get in the wrestling world at Oklahoma State. What have they contributed to the program? Well, everything. I mean, when you look back on it, if you talk about one family, there's no doubt that the Smith family, even in the state of Oklahoma, might be your number one wrestling family. And it all started with like, their, their dad, Leroy Sr., decided to put Leroy Jr. And, well, yeah, let's, put him, let's get him into wrestling. And uh, that's where it all began. And Leroy went out and he had success. And little uh, here came John right behind him. And, of course, Pat, the uh, first four-time national champion. And Mark was an All-American in his own right. I mean, the whole family tree is just athletes who aspire to be the best and they keep their eye on the prize, and they keep their eye on the prize, and they do whatever it takes to be the best. And, uh, yeah, you start looking at that Smith family and all the national championships. And Leroy won one, John won two, Pat won four. They're the number one family, not just at Oklahoma State, but in the state of Oklahoma. And John just got inducted to the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Not the Sports Hall of Fame, but the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. First wrestler to do so. There may be some more to follow, but that Smith family, again, well-respected. And they've just done things the right way. And there's, there's obviously, they've got something about them that allows them to be so successful. And again, they are a bunch of guys, I can say if they walked in the room, they wouldn't scare you to death. But they have just great technique, great ability, and they outwork everybody. What does this team and this program mean to you? Wow. Well, the only reason I, when I was at a school that didn't have wrestling, but I would come to Oklahoma State when my brothers were in college here and I loved it. They'd take me to matches. And I only saw a couple. But uh, I fell in love with the sport from an early age. But then when I got the opportunity and I moved to a school that had wrestling, I was a junior in high school, a little late to start, 
I had watched wrestling, but I'd never actually wrestled. But I loved the sport, and I had kind of an affinity for it in some areas. Like uh, anyway, I, I, I was a pretty quick learner. By my senior year, I made the team. I won a medal at a tournament. I was proud of that. The other part of that equation is, if I had never gone out for wrestling, I might not be where I am today, because because of wrestling. When I got my part-time sports writing job in college at the Sorter News Press, they say, you're a wrestler, you love it, you cover the matches. So I'm in heaven. I, I cover high school wrestling, but I get to cover Oklahoma State wrestling and got to go to na a couple of national tournaments. I was the voice of Cowboy Wrestling as a sophomore in college. So that's where it comes from. I, and, I, and to this day, again, I had a little hiatus in there, but I never take it for granted. It has been one of the pleasures of my life to be able to be the voice of this historic celebrated program that I get to be the voice of that. I've never taken that for granted and I still don't to this day and hopefully I have a few more years left in me. The Big 12 champion Cowboys will be in St. Louis March 18th to 20th for the national championships, hoping to win their 35th team title. That's all the time we have for this week's Inside OSU podcast. I'm your host, Megan Robinson. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks for joining me today, and go Pokes!